0: really understanding what that means entirely, uh, which that's kind of how we are as Christians. We kind of we grab hold of things, and, that's, and we, we, that's the way we get moved into it oftentimes. Um, but I think we're going we're gonna to hear the concepts, and you probably already have, and Pastor Eric, I'm sure, has been teaching on it, uh, of sonship. And when you hear those concepts, they sound so good, and they sound right, and they sound biblical, and they sound all these great things. Uh, and you think, well, I'm just going to be that. The reality is this: though when you get saved, you get born again. You are a son positionally, but it doesn't mean you're a son practically. Now, when I say son, I'm, I mean daughters too. So don't let that throw you. I mean daughters and sons. It's a kind of a general term. So I'm going to teach you this morning. I'm not going to try to. I mean, I need you to really follow me. You know, just kind of engage your minds and your hearts uh, with what we're talking about. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to get uh, real hype or vocal or whatever. We're just going to... I want to take you someplace this morning. I want to I share some things that I feel like is really going to help you. It's going to help you in your process. Now, turn to your neighbor and say process. Because yeah. it's exactly what you're in. You're not... This is not something that you go... You walk in the back door and you go, sonship, okay, I'm going to be a son. And you're just... Like I shared. It's something that you enter into a process of becoming a son or a daughter of the Lord. Um, Now, ultimately, we're sons and daughters of God. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, we're we're God's sons and daughters. But the way God practically works that out in your life, the way he enables or, or moves you into the demonstration of that, oftentimes is he places a father in your life. So we think of these spiritual terms and we think of uh, you know, the principles and all that. Well, I'm a, I'm a son of God. And, you know, and all that is true you know, spiritually speaking and true positionally speaking. But then God enters you into a process and it can be very painful to get to the end product. My experiences is I, it almost killed me. And I'm not even saying I've arrived. I'm saying I'm in the midst of it. There were some breakthroughs I had to have internally in order to make it. In other words, I didn't just slip into it real easy. Some of you are probably going to. I'm not you know I'm not saying my experience is going to be your experience because that's that's not the case. You're all individuals and it's different. But my experience was is it it was very difficult to move into it. Now I had all the head knowledge, I had all the right sayings, I read the book. You know, I I You know, I heard all the terminologies and I knew what this meant and that meant and what an orphan was. Some of you have read the book, you understand that. I knew what an orphan was. I knew what a spiritual son was. And head knowledge alone does not do it. Now, it's a starting point. You can't move into what you don't know. I mean, you know, so it's important. But it's not the only component to this thing. So once God begins to give you the information and begins to reveal things to you, then he begins to expose. You say, expose? Well, I don't know if I want that. The exposure is for your growth and for your health. The exposure is the exposure not only to the truth of the head knowledge, but moving experientially into it. Because once you begin to move experientially into sonship, everything changes in your life. Everything shifts. Your perspectives on life changes, how you function and how you operate changes in life. You say, why? Because all of a sudden you have identity. You can write that down, circle it, underline it, because every single one of us are searching for our identity. We're looking to find out who we are. That cannot happen outside of sonship. It cannot happen outside of spiritual fathers in our life. It can't happen Without revelation Through that relationship And it won't always be the things they tell you It'll just be the interaction And the, and the things that you learn through The friction and the sparks flying and the, and the emotional difficulty I'm known for one thing at God's house One thing I didn't run I mean that's the truth When, when all hell was breaking loose In my life emotionally Shifting into this Everything inside of me was saying Go they're against you, they're rejecting you, they're not accepting you, you don't measure up. All these things, you know, it, it, it felt performance-oriented. Everything, was, was, everything that was talking to me was lies, but they were lies that were truth to me. So no matter what the truth is, if you believe it, if you see it that way, that's your reality. And the only way that's ever going to begin to shift is you simply don't run See, here's the the interesting thing about Christians. We don't like pain. As a matter of fact, well, not just Christians. I'd say people in general. But the reality is, if you will walk through the process of pain, there's joy at the end of it. There's breakthrough at the end of it. See, pain, oftentimes we run from it. But the reality is, is, if we will go ahead and embrace the thing that is facing us and confronting us, the pain that's confronting us, if we will go ahead and embrace it and move into it, it is through that pathway of pain that you actually find breakthrough. The reason we're not finding breakthrough, particularly speaking with sonship, is because when we hit the conflict, when we hit that place where it doesn't feel right, something's not right, it hurts, it's painful, I feel rejected, I'm not accepted, all these different things that hit your mind, instead of embracing that and moving toward it, what we do is we back away and we find every single way to not face that, but you remain an orphan. That's why, you're finding, that's why most churches have an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. We've embraced Christian cliches. We've embraced what Christian television has told us. We've embraced what the last book has, has told us to believe. But we've not come into true revelation of who we are. And I promise you guys that that only comes through knowing who you are as a son. It changes everything, it changes the whole thing of you needing a title, you needing a position. You needing um, validation from others. It changes everything because when you just carry it, you just have it. It's no more striving at that point. Because if the striving is gone, you just rest in it. And when you rest in it, you carry it. Don't you think about that? When you're able to rest in it means you carry it, which is a totally different concept altogether. So I want to read to you some scriptures. And then I'm going to... Try to break down some things as far as some resistance to uh, sonship. And hopefully that that will help you. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings, or 2 Kings, actually. Chapter 1, or chapter 2. I'll get it right. Verse 1. I got that right. Now, we've all been taught that Elisha was Elijah's spiritual son. Most of us have heard messages on that and taught on that. But I want to share with you three things in the process of this particular chapter, that spiritual fathers open up for sons. Verse 1, chapter 2, verse one, Second Corinthians. Spiritual fathers are able to open up some things that no one else in your life is able to open up. That's just going to be reality. There are things that you will not be able to move into unless there is someone in your life that is able to open some of those doors. I'm saying, or you know, my, my, my spirituality depended on... Listen, I'm, here, here's one of the fears that people have. One of the fears that people have is that, oh, i got to have somebody in my life that's going to run my life. That's not fathering. Fathering is someone who empowers you. Fathering is someone who opens doors for you that, that you yourself are unable to open yourself. Fathering is an impartation of something. I want you to... Th- Don't let that fly over you. It is an impartation, not just a learning, but an impartation of something that you cannot get from any other place. So I'm going to share with you three things that that spiritual fathers open up for their sons, and then we'll see where God goes from there, okay? Verse 1. I'm going to read kind of lengthy. I may skip through some of this, but I'll let you know where I skip. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, underline Gilgal. God doesn't put anything in the Bible by accident. They all have meanings. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on on to Bethel, underlined Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha... Uh. <laughs> and said to him, do you, do you know? Let's see. It, okay, and the sons of the prophets said, "Man, that threw me off. Said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over, uh, from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me onto Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho, and now the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to to, uh, Jordan, underline Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and 50 men, sons of the prophets, stood facing them in the distance, and two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took the mantle and he rolled it up and he struck the waters and divided, and the waters divided, and two of them crossed over on dry ground. Verse 9. And so it was, when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Now the father turns to the son, and he asks, What may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, and I want you to pay attention to this phrase, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then as the story goes on, I could, I could go on, but I'll stop right there. Now, I, I kind of see this as a process, but more than a process, I just see them as... as what the father's function is in the son's life. The greatest thing you can ever become is a son, not a father. Yeah. Father's father a great deal of responsibility, but the greatest thing you'll ever attain to will be sonship. It. And it's the greatest thing you'll walk in. That's what Jesus walked in. You know, the Bible says this, that Jesus became a son through the things that he suffered, the obedience. Yeah. Thinking, guess what? Your process will be no different. You'll move in through the process. You'll move into the place of sonship right. through the process. Now, let me just share this real quickly. Elisha was not asking to be the next great prophet, that was already decided. When Elijah came today and slapped his mantle on Elisha, he said, You're going to be my successor. This is not what he was asking. What he was asking for was the firstborn's portion. You look that up spiritually. He was asking, I want the portion that belongs to the firstborn. I want the inheritance that a firstborn would get. I'm asking for that. And Elijah looks at him and says, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, but if you see me going up. But now the original Hebrew says this. If you see eye to eye. Why don't you stop just there? In other words, if you see what I see, you can have it. Listen, sons and daughters, the issue more than anything, can you embrace your father's vision? Because the inheritance that you're after in life only comes through a father, but it only comes through when you position yourself to take up their vision and not your own. The problem is is we've got too many sons wanting their own vision, wanting to accomplish great things. One of the greatest hindrances that we walk in in in, in the Western culture is we are so individualistic. We're we're autonomous. We We want our way. We're independent. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We don't want anybody telling us how to do it. We're going to do it our way because it's ultimately selfish. The kingdom is not built upon that. Do you realize that the word son in the Hebrew... Is the word bin, but that derives from the word bana, which means a, a, a building stone, establishment, something that causes something to continue on. It's the same word used when God created female, it said he created her, bana. In other words, the way God builds or continues and establishes things is through sons. But it's not rebellious sons. It's not those who are taking up their own vision, sowing their own seeds, doing their own thing. Sonship comes when you yield your vision to the father's vision and you say, I do what you do. Elijah was basically saying, if you can grab hold of the same heart, the same vision, the same thing that God has put in my heart to continue on, then you can have it. So for many of us, part of the process is dying to ourselves. Yeah. Dying to our wanting to be great. Yeah. See, in America, everybody wants to be great. We want to be on TBN. We want to write, you know, we want the best-selling novel or book or whatever. We want all these great things. But the reality is, is that's not the, the best. Right. That's not the best. The best is you carrying your father's heart and completing. Because, see, listen. It really isn't kingdom vision unless it takes multiple generations right. to fulfill it. That's why it, it requires sons and daughters to see and to embrace the same vision as the father. So that kingdom building can continue on. That's, that's why we're not where we need to be as the body of Christ. It's because we have visions that have fallen to the ground and died. And God has had to start over with other people because there hasn't been sons and daughters that can pick up that same vision and go, I see this not only pick up the same vision, but receive a double portion and a greater to carry on, only to leave it to the next generation to, to, to carry on with greater empowerment. So every generation is starting over at square one, when in reality we should be standing on the shoulders of our fathers. We, we have a church. We have church with Western mentality. Let me tell you something. This was not written, written from a Western mentality. It was written from God's heart. Which lends to an Eastern mindset, a Hebraic mindset. But the idea is we, we treat religion as, well, we go to church, we, you know, we read our Bibles, we do our different, you know, whatever. But God is trying to shift all of that. That's all wrong. You're saying, read the Bible is wrong? No, but not having the relational aspect of carrying on other, you know, your father's vision, not relating in a way that, that empowers each other and, and it be bigger than yourself. It's not just about putting in your time. It's not just about just coming to church. It's not just about doing the right things. It's bigger than that. Are you catching what I'm saying? Let me go back to the scriptures before I say something and get me in trouble. Let's go back up to the top. In verse 1, the first place that God sends Elijah is Gilgal. This is very important. When you look up Gilgal, it was was a city where when Israel crossed over the Jordan, it was the first city they went to called Gilgal. As a matter of fact, that's where they reestablished covenant with God through circumcision. Gilgal means to roll. It actually means to roll away from. Gilgal is the place where the reproach is rolled away. Now, let me, let me just tell you, tell you this. There are aspects in your life that you are suffering from because you have not allowed a father in your life. You say, what do you mean? There are some things in your life that cannot be rolled away from you without a father in your life to help you. Now, Gilgal means to establish covenant, to cut covenant. It's where they this reestablish circumcision again. Circumcision, I don't know if you know, but that is a very, uh, how do you say this? painful, uh, exposure, trusting place. I mean, you know, think about it. Uh, And I don't want to get too graphic. I mean, there may be kids in here, but but the the, the flesh is cut away. There are places in your life, blind spots in your life that you can't see that it's going to require somebody to look into that and say, son, I've got to tell you the truth. This is what I see. And if you're a son, you will go, no, well, what about you? You got this, that, and the other. You throw out three things. That's what typically happens. Who are you to tell me? Well, I've seen you do this and that and the other instead of going, you're right, Dad. I see that. I want that I want that out of me. Judgment. Judge that. It's the place of covenant. Without covenant, you will not allow another human being to look into the deep, darkest places of your life, the most painful areas, and say, I need you to speak truth to me. Covenant is, is is absolutely essential. Covenant basically means I'm not running. I'm not going anywhere. You can't run me off. I am staying. Yeah. We don't understand that concept in, in typical. What we have is as long as you're feeding me, Pastor Eric, as long as everything's going well and you speak the messages I want you to speak, all's well. But the day you speak some things that maybe they don't agree with in their mind or, or, or don't, you know, it hurts, See, man, I just feel led that this other church is going to feed me better. God's leading me. No, it's not God. It's the spirit of offense, and you probably need to go because you're not going to be a son. <laughs> That's the truth, man. Boy, we had mass exodus. I mean, we had a large church at first. I mean, we was three or 400 strong. We started preaching kingdom. Where y'all going? Oh, okay. Bless you, too. Till you hear they're talking about you. Anyways. Anyways. I won't bring up my wounds. Uh, <laughs> the idea is covenant. Without covenant in, with, with people's lives, Tammy and I have made this decision. We don't always understand Darren and Sheila's decisions or what they're gonna, you know, what, what's going on, but we've already agreed with their heart. That's, that's key. The issue is not agreement in what they're saying and doing here. The issue is I've already discerned your heart. You've already proven yourself to me. It is done. Oh, I may have to work through some emotional pain of, I don't really see it that way, or whatever, you know, whatever. Get over yourself. <laughs> this ain't about you. This is bigger than you. This is about your children. I remember we were, in a, we were in an elders meeting one time, and I was being called on the carpet for being an orphan and rebellious. <laughs> and we were in the, in the meeting, and my wife calls me, and she said, this is what God said. Don't you break covenant because this is about our children. I said, okay. hung up the phone. It's over. I feel that. I feel like I want to cry right now because that's very real to me. If you can't establish covenant with the, with the people that God has placed in your life, that God has told you, these are your life people. These are the people you will do life with. If you haven't found that, you've got to find that. Because if you haven't, you're not having church yet. You're coming to a a meeting. You're coming to a meeting. And the meeting is good as long as they say what agrees with you. Father's established covenant. And with that covenant will come your breakthrough. Because if you have that covenant and you have that trust established, truth is able to be spoken to you. That will set you free. I'm going to tell you something. You won't be set free without truth. We think, oh, well, I read the scripture, and the scripture will be enough. Yes and no. There are some things you need a human being to look you in the eye and say, I see arrogance in you. I see see a father wound in you. Though you may not understand what they're saying at that point, if you trust them and go, okay, well, take me through the process of getting through this. I, 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 I gave my spiritual parents plenty of reasons to reject me. I tried to get them to reject me, not knowing it, but unconsciously tried to. But when covenant is established and both ends know what covenant is, it's like there's nowhere to go except get better because this is just going to be hell on earth here. You understand what I'm saying? It's sort of like marriage. You know, when when divorce isn't an option, when murder might be, you know, (laughs) as they say, but divorce isn't an option, it's sort of like, well, we don't have any choice. We might as well work on this thing. Where can we start? All right, look with me. In the next place. Then Elijah and Elisha said, "Stay here." Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, "Stay here, please." You know, the interesting thing about Elijah, Elisha, is every time Elijah tried to get him to stay, Elisha wouldn't have it. What does that mean? Elisha would not yield to the temptation to be unfaithful and to continue. He was after something. his heart was, "I want what you have there's, there's something he, he recognized something about elisha or Elijah that he wanted. he needed it he knew and here 's the thing. Elisha knew the call for, for his next generation. he knew the next that he was going to be the next prophet he felt the inadequacy. He felt that he didn't have exactly what it took to bring this thing next level. And guess what? He didn't. He did not have it. And he was at least smart enough to remain faithful to to get that firstborn portion that would empower him to do the next generation. Does that make sense? He goes to, to Bethel. Now, Bethel in Scripture always represents the place of encounter. Bethel is where... Uh, Jacob went, and he slept, and he saw this ladder go up in heaven. He goes, oh, man, I didn't have a clue. I had no idea that God's house was here. (laughs) Hello? Okay, that's a joke. That's our name of our church, God's house, Bethel. Anyways, I had no idea that this was where God was. (laughs) Should have known. But let me just say this. There are some things, spiritually, that you will not be able to move into without your spiritual father opening those doors that there is breakthrough spiritually, there are encounters to be had that you are trying on your own to, to get to. Let me just to be truthful with you. I've been able to ride the coattail of Darren and Sheila's pursuit. In other words, their passion and pursuit after God, I've been able to just kind of <laughs> go right into. Why? Because they have already pioneered things that I, ha- I don't have to pioneer. I get to move into it. It is, listen, it is part of being a son and a daughter that if, you, I mean, you know, there's some hard things to embrace, but if you will go ahead and embrace it, there's also blessings attached to that. And then our kids. Exactly, and then our kids. They've had, they, my ability to hear the voice of God is, is connected to Darren and Sheila and how they've trained me. How I've been able to learn from, how they hear from God, I've been able to move into those encounters with them. It's so one that now when Pastor Darren comes, to, hey, I had an encounter with God, it's like I get to move into it and experience it too. I feel it too. I get the blessings of what he experiences because it runs down because it's more than just being physical proximity, being in the same house. Relationships should transcend location, and there's a connection of heart that when one receives it, we all receive it. Yeah. It's an issue of our heart and faith and going, I grab hold of that. I didn't have that dream, but you did, and I get to reap the benefit of it. Does that make sense? Fathers open up encounters for you. I've had encounters myself that I know has been connected to the house. The same will happen with you. You will have certain encounters in your life based upon the fathers in your life who who you're connected to. Financial breakthrough is connected to the parents of your house. This man carries an anointing for business. Some of you should be starting businesses because the mantle is over the house. It's there. The issue is grabbing hold of it, moving into it, and letting his pioneering move you into it. I'm not stupid. I may look it, but it's not true. I have learned. I have learned to take advantage of what they've already done. I'm doing what I'm doing now because of what they've done. I'm going to move into the things of the future because of what they've done in my life. Now, they're not involved in education or anything like, like the, like the um, you know, traditional education, like college and stuff, but I'm able to move into that realm because of what they've imparted to me. See, it has implications in all areas of life. You don't have to have just an anointing in a specific area to break you through to another area. Does that make sense? In other words, some of you may be called to the business mountain, but Pastor Eric can, can not only move you into the business mountain, but he can move you into the education mountain just because he's already pioneered some things and you're able to just position you. Fathers should be able to position their sons. They should see what's in their hearts, see what's in their life, and go, you know what? I know you've been pursuing this, but this is what I'm feeling God's saying. This is the direction you need to go. And they will see things before you see it oftentimes. And if they're faithful fathers, they'll tell you about it. And if you're a faithful son, you'll listen. And you go, you know what? I'm going to try that. I think you're right. And they'll move you into things that you never dreamed of moving into because you would have never thought about it. You would have never even considered it. Fathers have visions that sons don't have. I mean, I I, I talk to my children all the time, and I go, listen, I know you don't see what I see. You haven't been there. I've been there. So you're going to have to trust me now. This is what's going to happen, and you need to listen to what I'm saying and do this. I guarantee you um, our daughter has experienced that. She goes, man, Dad, I know you were saying da-da-da-da. And then I said, all you had to do is listen to me. So now what I'm, getting, what I'm establishing here is, is a list of things I've been right on. And so when things come up, I'm going, remember this, that, and the other? She's like, yeah, I, I was right on those, wasn't I? Why don't you listen to me this time? Okay. Okay, well, that's a practical <laughs> thing. You might want to try that. Who knows? <laughs> that's a little practical. Okay. Verse 4. Then Elijah moves. Uh, says to Elisha, stay here, please, because I'm going to Jericho. Now, Jericho represents the place of first fruit inheritance. Jericho was the first city that Israel took, right? Jericho, the walls fell down. It was the first fruit. And this is going to go on the point that I was just establishing. There are inheritances that can only be achieved through what the Father gives you. Inheritances are attached to your spiritual fathers and mothers. That there are... See, God has... Portions For every one of us it, it includes you know, it can include land money different things, but it also includes gifting purpose destiny vision There is an inheritance that each one of you hold that God has for you But different portions of that inheritance is released to you at different portions of your time Once you think about that That there are certain aspects of your inheritance that God can't release to you practically even though it's yours until you've reached a certain place in your development so that that inheritance doesn't hurt you. You understand what I'm saying? That, it, that where a lot of people are making the mistake is, is they will not continue with their fathers to, re, to have more of their inheritance released to them. Usually somewhere in the process, an offense gets in and they break relationship. It goes back to the first point. They break Covenant. So then, not saying that the the inheritance is no longer yours, it just now requires that you have to go through the process of reestablishing sonship at another place, hopefully getting to that point where you got stuck and past that, so that more more aspects of your inheritance can be released to you. Am I saying that you, you can't have your full inheritance? I don't know. Maybe you can without having a father in your life. Maybe so, but I'm telling you, this is the way God designed it. Sure, there's probably the hard way. There's probably people who've done it. But in reality, if you're going to follow God's plan, see, sonship has always been God's way, always. This is not new revelation, guys. We're catching up with what God's been saying from the beginning of time. It's always been about a son. Think about it. It's always been about a son. Sonship carries everything. Inheritance, breakthrough, revelation, um, identity, everything. Sonship is who we are. Now I want to show something with you. And I don't want this to be a side side thing that, that disrupts things. But some things that God has showed me about woundedness. One of the major things that really hinders us from moving into sonship, is the aspect that we are wounded people. I mean, in reality, we've had enough of life's junk to come into this and not struggle. I mean, you can you can blame it on a lot of things. This is not about blame. So if you hear me say anything where, you know about parents or anything like that, I'm not blaming parents. Listen, parents did the best they could do. The reality is, is most of the time, the, the family systems we've grown up into are just unhealthy. Didn't mean it to be, didn't want it to be, but it just was. And all that thing, every bit of that communicates things to you as a child. Everything communicates things to you. So whether you realize it or not, you're interpreting things that you don't know you're interpreting. And these interpretations actually make up your belief system. And your belief system will actually make up how you see life, everything. It will either help you or hurt you. My experience was it hurt me, <laughs> but the truth and the reality and the good news is God can shift your entire belief system so that you can operate from a healthy place, okay? So let me share that process with you, all right? I'm going to write some things here, and then, uh, then I'll expound on them. Okay, you ever heard anybody say, you know, that just, what they did does not make sense. There's just no rationale to what they just did. You ever heard somebody say that? That's not true. All behavior is rational. All behavior makes sense to somebody. In other words, you see people, you know, uh, acting a fool, striving, jealousy, all the different things that people do. Though it doesn't make sense to you, somewhere it makes sense to them. There is no emotion that you feel that stands alone. All emotions go back ultimately to your beliefs. Now, how this relates to sonship. Your life experiences, the things that you've been told, the things that you've experienced, all that stuff has helped formulate your beliefs. Now, let me just say this. Most beliefs, at least 90% of your beliefs, are deeper than thoughts. It's not things that you're thinking. It's things that cause your thinking. So your beliefs are are 90% subconscious. In other words, you don't even know that you hold them. So you wonder why you get new information here and go, yeah, that sounds good, but can't move into it here because this hasn't shifted. Can y'all see this? If you can't, y'all can, y'all can move over. Don't, you're not going to disturb me if you want to see it. So, usually what creates here, this is what's going to happen in the church here. Okay, I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying on a practical level. New information about sonship. Yes, I want that. Woundedness. Difficulty of moving into it. So this is was my experience. I was hearing it, but I felt rejected. I don't know if I should write all this. Abandoned, fear of intimacy, um, shame. I didn't deserve. What you're trying to give me? I can't earn this. So what did I do? I knew what was right. I wanted to be a son. I wanted to do what was right. I had, But these was causing this. But I, I was, So I was trying to circumvent my emotions. And instead, I was trying to do everything. But what it created was striving, performance. Yada, yada, yada. Y'all got it? Okay. Which only reinforced this and this strongholds are developed right here. So let, let me just share something with you. All of us have automatic thoughts, thoughts that, you know, we, we have about things. So let's say we have a spiritual father in our life. The thought comes through our mind, I don't think he's for me, okay? That thought didn't come on its own. It came from somewhere else, right. okay? Now, here's, here's what happens. Because of our life experiences, it creates what is called schema. Schema, you say, well, what is that? Schema is a complex formation of thoughts that creates um, um, thought patterns and habits. It's where, let's say for instance, my concept, my schema of a father was one of, I can't trust, he's not for me, Uh, he's rejected me, he's abandoned me. So now every experience with a father now hits this, So no matter how positive this father figure is to me, because of my schema, it organizes my entire experience now. My schema now, everything that I experience now is organized by this because it's a complex organization of of beliefs. So now no matter how positive my father figure is over here, all I can pick up on is what my schema agrees with, negativity. So the positive stuff is bouncing off and is not hitting my heart Only that look he gave me. Only I was left out. Only I feel rejected, and I don't know why. They must be doing something that's hurting me. They must be, I only agree here, only reestablishing all of this right here. And so then you wonder, why? (laughs) Man, I'm a mess. How am I ever going to break through this? Does that make sense to you guys? Beliefs is greater. Now, let me just say this. So many of us, we want to take the Word of God and we want, to, we want to meditate on it and we want to transform our minds. So we start here, which is okay. I mean, because I think all of this affects some part. It's all interrelated. It's not, they don't stand alone. But that's not the deepest level. Right. The deepest level of cognition, the deepest level of, of, of belief system is this area. This takes time. Yeah. This takes, look at your neighbor, process. This takes the Holy Spirit. This is so deep that this takes the spiritual dimension of you to renew. This is Pastor Darren taught us this. You don't renew your mind by the soul. You renew the mind by your spirit. And this validates that, that your spiritual man, whether you realize it or not, is tacking this area of your mind breaking down your belief systems to establish new ones. But here's the thing. It takes time, which basically means you have to endure all of this to shift here. Does that make sense? There has to be, if you just won't leave. It goes back to my first point. If you just refuse to be removed and trust... The biggest issue with orphans is we just don't know how to trust. It's not even that we don't know how, it's we can't allow ourselves to trust. Because the, the basic trust... Now, let me say: When children grow up, we go through developmental processes and we grow up into adulthood. And in the midst of growing up into adulthood, we're developing emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually. All these different aspects are developing along the way at the very beginning when you're young with your authority figures the thing that is being established with you is basic trust not the same thing as trust but basic trust which basically means you are able to trust people with your heart if that is broken every time you experience a wound as a child what happens is is you hide that part that has been wounded build a wall and then now you can't allow any you won't allow anybody else in there to hurt you. But here's the problem. You're in prison too. You can't get out even when you want out. So what has to happen is a breakdown of the wall and healing in those areas of our life. Basic trust basically is the idea that I'm okay. I'm secure. It's going to be all right. Orphans don't have that thinking. Orphans are afraid. They're insecure. They feel shame. And they have to protect themselves. And anybody that has to protect themselves are angry people. I don't know why I threw that out there, but that's just free. Does that make sense? So then God begins to take us through a process of breaking this stuff down. The Holy Spirit hits that. The Holy Spirit begins to, to bring healing to the emotions. Experience is the key to changing this. When you have parents that won't give up on you, that refuse to quit, that refuse to, to not speak truth to you, that refuses to not back down, and then you have God pressing on you and on your character going, you be faithful, you don't break covenant, you don't move, you don't this, eventually you will see breakthrough. I promise you. Does that make sense? And all of a sudden, instead of being rejected, man, I can't feel rejected for feeling accepted. It's like, man, I walk in the room and I just have to... Not bow my chest out because I feel so good about myself. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Abandonment is now like it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to be okay. Security begins to take place. Instead of having a mental disposition of depression and a mental disposition of failure mentality, that begins to shift to now you begin to expect to succeed. I may not be succeeding, but I expect to succeed. I'm going to win. I mean, one way or another, I'm going to win. And it's not even about how much I do or how well I do it. It's just, it's done. In me, it's done. I'm just waiting for it to manifest. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So, I would like to move into something here, but I'm not sure exactly what I'm feeling, and maybe some of the prophetic people here can can help. I'd like to offer, I would like to just pray. And I would like for the the team, if there is a team, uh, my team's, pray and it's not to pray that it, it's not to pray that there's some laying on of hands and you just shift over into the that's not how it happened for me it's not how it's going to happen for you but there were certain points in my life where people were able to pray with me or to speak a word over me that shifted me for the moment it shifted me for the moment to bring me to the next place so that i can move into it does that make sense it's not so much that somebody's going to just impart something to you and, hey, it's all done. Forget about it. It doesn't happen that way. But when you have people take you through processes at different times in your life, it is things that you need for the moment and to shift you into some amazing things. And so I just want this to be very practical. I'm not, we're not, this is not prophetic night, so we're not looking to prophesy per se. I mean, unless you have a word for somebody. That's going to be t- tonight, right? Okay, so we're going to do that tonight. But if that's you, if what I said just hit something in you, I'm going to ask God to bring some healing today. That's what I carry. I carry, I carry healing. That's, that's the gifting in my life is, is this level of thing. So I don't want to speak something without giving it, if you will. So I'm going to ask Terry because she carries that too to come up, and Missy and Melissa Smith. And if you guys want to help, my wife, I want her to come up. If you guys want... Is that okay if I do this? Sure. I don't want to take liberties. I'm not... No, no. And if you have anyone else that, that wants to... That's why we're here. Okay. And I want to ask the band if it would just, just play something. And if something we said today hits something in your heart, you go, you know what, I, I really do need prayer today. If you don't feel that, don't come. I mean, it's no big deal. Nobody's watching to see the numbers or anything like that. But if that's you, we want to offer that to you. We we want our team to pray with you so that you can shift to the next place. Because that's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for some shifts today. For for this church, you guys are going to move into some greater things. This is is not a conference by accident. I don't believe that. I believe it was designed by God because God's doing something in this area. And I felt it coming into the the city. God's doing something in this area. He's ready to do it. And he's going to use you to do it because you're open to the revelation of it. You're open to how God builds. And because you're open to how God builds, God's going to build with you. So if you guys would just, just begin to play something, go ahead and stand with us. These, these ladies right here are prayer warriors, powerful, anointed. If that's you, I just want you to, I want you to come.